This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but does mention Supernatural and Weetsy Bat. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing The City of Brass. This is the first book in the Devabod trilogy by S.A. Chakraborty. And Jessica, Jessica Marie. You said to me recently that you wanted a straight-up political fantasy. <laughs> did this deliver, yes or no? Ah, it did. And I'm dumb, but I had fun. <laughs> I'm not a smart person. Um, I'm smart in the things that I do know, obviously. But this one was just, I now that I have a handle on it, I want to go back and read it because I don't, I feel like I don't understand some of the politics just yet. Not because the author did a great job world building. I'm just stupid. Um, but I also think that there were some focuses that I, I, I was focusing on the wrong things. And we had discussed that earlier in the episode. I go, wait, there are six gin tribes and here are all of them. And I don't remember anything. Did I black out? And you're like, no, they just, they weren't a huge part of it. Like just enjoy the ride. So that's just my problem with like having to refocus, which is just consistent with every time I read something new with YA. But in a good way, because I want to know more. And this and this series delivers, especially as a first book of a trilogy, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, it is, I think, exactly what you want. But I'm biased. I love this book. I love this series. I've read this this particular book now three three times all the way through. And it took me this third read to really kind of grasp what what is really going on because I have read the entire series once all the way through. So I know the whole overarching Oh my gosh, relief. Yeah. So like Thank I know you. the whole overarching like plot. So it is amazing to me how much and also how little we get in this this first book in particular, because it does feel like we're getting so much information, but in the scheme of everything, we we really don't know what we don't know. Uh, disclaimer in this episode, I have just gotten a dog. So if you hear new Akafe member, a new Akafe member. So if you, if you hear sniffs or dog collars, I apologize. He's not great at being left alone yet. We're working on it. Uh, yes. But, uh, as I was saying, I am very biased. I, I do love this series. I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, we both did the audio for this. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 
But yeah. I think when I do a reread, I would, now that I know the pronunciations, I would have an easier time following along or maybe just like understanding the politics a little bit more if I like read it in conjunction, traditionally read it while listening to it to kind of follow along um, and even have the map because and we'll have the links in the show notes. But um Prior to recording, if you go to her website, she has the glossary, she has maps. I mean, that's the one thing with audiobooks is you obviously, you know, depending on how you're reading or what you're doing, I mean, it's great for multitasking. Um, but sometimes we don't always have a map in front of us when we're listening. So um, that would be super helpful, too. Yes, I do have a hard copy in front of me. I got the signed copies that the author was doing through her local bookstore. And it does provide a map and it is incredibly helpful, just just incredibly helpful. But all of this information, just like you said, is available on her website, which is amazing. And I have to say, though, it's not my first place usually that I think of when I go for information, which is like weird. Um, but it, I don't know. I think it also depends on the author, though, because some some will have everything readily available and some will just use it kind of as like a holding space. I think it just depends on what, what, how you want to kind of build that brand for yourself and like what you want available for um, the, the readers out there. All of this to say that the pronunciations are new to us and it is not something that we are super familiar with. So please be uh, gentle with us. We are trying our best best. Uh, but just this book has a lot of characters, but you know, we have our mains, we have our mains. So tell me, tell me who is in this book. Our female main character is Nari. She has healing powers. She also can speak every language. She's a polyglot. Um, but she's also like, huh, how do I know everything so quickly? Like girl, but she doesn't even think magic is real at this point. Um, but we find out that or then, okay, I'm not even going to get into it so deeply just yet. There's also, we have kind of like multiple male main characters. It feels like, uh, you have Dara or Dara Yavahush. Um, he's a male main character. He's also the last descendant of the Afshins. We have Ali or Alizaid. Um, he's a prince. He's the second born prince. Um, and he is very devout in his religious practices. Um, his father is the king, Ghassan, and Nari also has two other kids, Zainab, which is Ali's sister, and Muntadir. He is uh, Ali's brother, and he's actually next in line for the throne. And as we get into the episode again, he's ultimately kind of paired with Nari of kind of setting up um, kind of their political marriage alliance. There is Ghassan's grand vizier, who's Kaveh. Maniza is one of the most powerful Nahid healers. And we believe her to be dead until basically the last page of this book. Um, and then you also have the Shafit, which are people who are mixed with human and jinn heritage. And there's the Ifrits, which are jinns who were cursed thousands of years ago, and now they're just kind of stuck in their own head, and they're not supposed to have magical powers, and they do. I think those are who covered most of it. Yeah, I think those are those are most of our mains. Uh, as just said, like we have we have like more male perspectives than usually I think we're kind of used to, which is like kind of cool. 
Uh, I really like Ali and I like where he, where his story kind of goes. Um, but this story starts off in Egypt. We start off in Cairo where we meet Nari. Uh, she is scamming, scamming the Turks, right? Like right away. We, we love it. Uh, make your money, get the bag, whatever. Uh, Nari is doing the damn thing. We find out that she can read people. She's really good at scamming, obviously, but she can kind of like sense sickness on people. And because of that, she has a reputation. Again, very cool. It's how she's making her money. She also just like prescribes random bullshit from her friend Jakob's apothecary and then like kind of robs houses <laughs> when she uh, tells uh, her customers to go to these springs and things. Very, very fun. I like this setup of Nari a lot. I'm also just a sucker for Egypt in any kind of time frame. So this was really fun for me. And also through these uh, context, I guess like context clues that the author gives us, we can insert a uh, realistic time frame here, right? Yeah. And I mean, even through some interviews, again, we'll have in the show notes, but we know that this, like the time frame for, I, I want to say present day, I guess like real life, um, before we go to the city of Devabad is um, 18th century Cairo. So we know that we know through their travels, even from going from Cairo to like the fantasy cities, um, Something there's certain things that are consistent, like the Euphrates River in another language. Uh, Nari is able to translate it, and she's like, "Oh, this is this is this river. This is where we are." So even though the city is, I, I say fantasy, it's fantasy to the people that she's used to working with in Cairo. This city doesn't exist to anybody else because nobody believes in magic. At the beginning of the book, she doesn't even believe in magic. Jakob, her friend, is like, you need to be careful with what you're doing, what you're playing with. There's spirits, there's magic, there's this, that, the other thing. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, like every single, you know, great YA story. Magic's not real. It's not like, I'll be fine. Nothing bad is going to happen. Like everything. In the first chapter, this is all in the first chapter. So you're already like, if you know the genre you're reading, you're like, I know what's going to happen. Now, how do we get there? Let's get into it. And we get there pretty quickly, I think. Uh, we get there from the czar. Like, Nari, like, she scams these guys and kind of, like, goes through her daily routine. And, is you know, we meet Jakob, who's very sweet, who she kind of, like, tutored under. Then the apothecary took her in. When she was, like, an unmarried woman, it was very weird, like, unusual, but they have a friendship but, I mean, we're the czar right away. And I, I love that Nari's just like, yeah, I observed a couple of these and I just learned how to scam these people and I'm going to keep scamming these people. And it is what it is. But the the czar with Basima, who's like possessed, you know, by an Ifrit, it's the whole thing. I love how Nari's like, yeah, I'm going to sing, but like, I can't really sing. So I'm just going to like do my thing. I'm doing what I do. What's up? Uh, I know this language that literally no one can speak. So I'm just going to start. <laughs> I'm just going to start with that because that's, you know, nothing bad has ever happened <laughs> when you're in a semi-magical maybe kind of situation. You start speaking a language no one has ever heard before. Now nah, we're fine. We're totally safe. Totally safe. And with that appears Dara Arjun. And he's like, 
How do you know that? Who are you? He has all the questions. She's having all the questions because she's like, um, my bad. This wasn't supposed to be real. What is happening? And, um, she also, it, it almost feels like they get chased right away because her using these powers, um, kind of summon the Ifrits, Ifrits, Ifrits. I'll get there by the end of the episode. They do. You would think after reading the audiobook all weekend that I'd get it, but I didn't. So you're right, though. The uh, Basima is, pers- is possessed by the Ifrits, and the Ifrits are working with, let's just get into it. The The Ifrits are supposedly partnered with Maniza, and they are after Nari, and they are told not to harm Nari, but this one is just like, well, fuck that. Fuck you and fuck these orders because he chases them through the cemetery, them being Nari and Dara who have arrived at this point. And the ghouls are coming and the ghouls are attacking them. There's skeletons coming everywhere, right? And there's all of this like stuff being said of it's like, you know, you, you're a witch just like your mother. It's like, sir, I don't even know you. What? And at and let's not forget, okay, so we know this because we read it, but to share here, at this point, Nari doesn't know anything about her family, um, her background. She grew up in an orphanage. She doesn't remember anything. And it's, and I say that loosely because as we had said, like she can sense when people are sick. So she was always kind of the outcast because she can tell, you know, what did they say? How does it, how would you feel if you were the kid who knew who was the next to die because of consumption or because of another disease or like she was always going to be like, who's this weirdo and picked upon. So like she has been on her own for as long as she remembers. She doesn't know anything about her history where she's come from. So at this point, you know, Dar is making these comments and she has no idea what he's talking about, what his references are. But now she feels like, I don't know who you are, but you know, you already know more about me than I do. So there becomes kind of like a tip for tat kind of thing. I'll go with you, but you got to tell me this. So I'll do this. But like, you told me if if I would follow you, you would tell me when I came with you. So like, tell me more information because you're the only person who knows something. And he doesn't actually give her a lot of information because right away he's just like, you're Shafi. You're Shafi. You're dirt born. Like, what the fuck? What is going on? Like, what? He, he is like this whole thing. So Dara, I think it's very important to point out that Dara is 1400 like years old, kind of at this point. And he is like blood purist, right? Like, like he, that it's not a good He's not good about that. He's very, uh, like, prejudiced and judgmental and vocal about it. It makes it weird in a lot of situations uh, where he starts talking about it, like, loudly because he thinks he knows better. Yeah. And then he, like, I mean, and, and like you said, 1,400 years ago, he knew what this meant. He goes up. This is what happens when my gin people get a little, get a little too rowdy. They don't know how to control themselves. And next thing you know, they're procreating everywhere with humans. Yeah. And then it takes Nari, like, you know, healing. And then the Ifrits are like, you know, you're, but you're the new Banu Nahida. And all of this is really thrown on Nari right away, but she is 
being attacked. And Dara's like, well, we have to get out of here. We have to get out of here. Find a carpet. Find a carpet. Let's enchant the fuck out of this carpet and fly away. And they do. And I love it. I love it. I imagine on screen it would be very beautiful and like majestic, right? And you're just like fucking going. But I did the right budget. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could also look terrible, but like with the right budget, it would look beautiful. Uh, But I also like uh, that we do meet. Uh, a, a magical bird man. I love magical bird men. They're so fun. Uh, you know, bird person. We love him. Hazor. I like Hazor. I like him a lot. I like the descriptions of Hazor and I like everything, everything about him. He's the sassy, like he has that personality of sassy best friend. Like he's the one who's keeping the conversation going. He's like, tell me about yourself. Tell me about you. What about this? What about that? You know, Dara could have, it's just like, has a headache at this point. It's like, what is going on? And we only know him as Dara too, because there's power in names. So he won't share his name, but he insisted that he had Nari and Nari's like, I can't argue. We have to get out of this, like these situations. So I'll give him this truth for now. You know, I'll pick my battles of what I can, what, what, what I'll, you know, what I'll, argue with him on and 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 the ifrit too mentioned names they're like what's your name girl what's your name girl when they're talking to nari and uh dara's like don't tell him don't tell him and if it's like i know it's not her like true name like it doesn't really matter like it's fine and that's when i was like "Ooh, okay so maybe they are working with maniza it's just like very little interesting detail when we meet Hyzor, I do like that Dara's just like, yo, yo, what do I do? My guy, my friend, my only friend, what do I do in this situation? Because I don't want to take her to Devabad. And Hyzor's like, man, be be an offsheen. Be who you are supposed to be and take her. It is your duty to get to Devabad. And then thus starts their, their trek. They're like one month trek across the desert. Um, to get to Devabad. And he hasn't been to the city in centuries. Like, this is not like a place that he's, I don't want to say welcome to, but like, he's the last of his family because his family's been massacred. So, and his role for the family, for his family, was to protect the Nahid family, which he speculates that she's a part of, because of the powers that he knows she has. Which, which, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, something about friends and friendship that I find very fascinating is that you keep learning new things about each other, even though you've been friends for a really long time. So Jess, I know that you and I have talked at length about wishes and how specific you have to be. I don't know if I've specifically told you this, but let's learn something new. Uh, one of my wishes would be to have um, some version of Nari's power, which would be to understand, speak, and be completely fluent in any language that you hear, like almost immediately after hearing it. That is something that if I could have that, my life would be easier. 
Well, I was, I, I didn't know that. So thank you for sharing because I was going to ask about it because I know our editor, Sam, is like, he's, he's really good with languages. Laura, you've shared that like languages are difficult for you, but you're really good with French, especially if you get a couple drinks in you. I know that. Uh, there's always something about like the liquid courage. I think that helps anybody learning a new language. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's so amazing to have any language. I mean, would you want to raise that and say like, I also want to talk to animals and be like Dr. Doolittle of it all? Or are you like, "Mm, I have a hard boundary there? Yeah. You know, I do. I have a hard boundary there. I would wish for the ability to, if, if animals, this is off the, off the rails actually. Uh, sorry. But if animals wanted to speak to me, I would wish to be able to understand them but I would not wish to be able to hear animals' thoughts at all times. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that if, makes sense. If, if, you don't want to infringe on that. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I want the ability to hear them if they decided to speak to me. So if they took down their Damati walls, you'd be like, oh, I could hear this. They want me to think this. Yeah, they they want me. They want to speak to me. They want me to understand this. Yes. But I I think otherwise I would be like infringing upon their secret world. And that's not my right. So, yeah. Okay. This is off the rails. Very fun. (laughs) So fun. But but actually, no, on the rails because Dara – uh, is that we can just talk about this before we start talking about Ali, but Dara spent a significant portion of his, of his life, uh, in slavery, right? As a, a, let's say like a wish granting gin to the human world. And he, uh, you know, murdered like 800 of his masters. Good for him because the Ifrit send off Sheen's slaves into the human world to create havoc as revenge, let those slaves go mad and then dump them back on Devabad's doorstep to cause panic, which is kind of um, set up for us when Nari and uh, Dara eventually do get to Devabad. But that whole, that whole side plot kind of of Dara and his background and slavery and the wish granting part and like the very specifics of it. Uh, there, There's a part where Dara is giving his master the most prized or like most unique or wonderful drink of the ancients. Right. And it was just like diluted hemlock and it was going to kill him immediately. And Dara's like, he'd be, you know, maybe his next master will be more specific in his wording on wishes. Just like, I loved that. I, <laughs> right away. I was like, oh, you got to be specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she sees that. And, you know, it's interesting because she sees she sees this because there are moments that we have in this book that she's seeing his dreams unintentionally. So that's why she's learning things about him, especially what, cause it's like she's, his memories are kind of unlocked when he's sleeping because the first bout of her finding out about his memories, she's trying to steal the key to run away. Yes. Oh my gosh. To try to run away. I love, I love a female MC that is just like, you know what? Fuck this situation. Fuck this whole <laughs> situation. I don't want to be here anymore. I went, and I also like, I also like, uh, that when, uh, when Nari is in Heropolis with, with, uh, Dara and she burns, she burns the, the carpet, right? 
and she's like leaving and she's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm leaving. I can do this. I have supplies. It'll, it'll be fine. But that emerald, that emerald though, I should steal that emerald. I still. Oh, that's f- right. She didn't want the key. She wanted the ring. Yeah. She's like, I, well, it's like, well, I mean, you're getting ahead well, of yourself. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. One way know, or the other. It, it, one is, the it, it is one of the same. Yeah. It is one of the same. But yeah, she's like, yeah, I can steal the shit. I, I could do. I've done that before. I can, I've stolen stuff off of people before. I respect I've done it that. when they're awake. Yeah. She's like, I've done this when they're awake. I can do this in his sleep. Like she, she's, she's very sure of herself. And she's always, and let's not forget, like, she has always been a survivalist. She has always been in a survival mode. And that she even brings that up later in the book with like one of the conversations that she's having. She's like, you don't know what it's like, what I've, you don't have a place to judge me because of what I had to do to, to, to survive the life that I lived. Like, you don't know what it's like to, to be this type of person, to be completely ostracized all the time, to be on your own, you know? Because and at this at this point we know that she's not twenty five because there are certain uh, rules in Devabad that you can't do specifically marry or certain relationships um, until your first quarter century. So here we are, twenty five. So she's not even twenty five yet. No, I'd say she's like what eighteen, nineteen, maybe if that. Yeah. Oh, see, I was because at the end of the book, I was like, oh, maybe she's on the cusp. Maybe she's like twenty four because they were all about signing papers and stuff. So I thought she was a little bit older. Uh, really like not. Ali's like eighteen. I figured they were like about the same age. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're about the same age then. Yeah, I always, I always age them up sometimes too. That's my own fault. Well, and they are very like these are princes and healers. Like we, these are mature people. So let's talk about our prince. Let's talk about Ali. Uh, Alizaid. Alizaid. We, yeah, my note says eighteen, so he must be eighteen. Um, Alizaid is our youngest prince. He is a the slur for him, which is you know not great, is the half tribe brat. He is half a Yanle and half Gaziri. His dad is Gaziri. His mother is a Yanle. Those are two of the six tribes, tribes of the jinn. And Ali, Ali, he's a lot of things. Uh, his reputation is that of a fanatic, that he is excellent uh, military mind. He's excellent with the Zulfikar. That's their flaming like copper sword. Um, that he's also like their father's favorite. Ali, Alizaid, Zadie, his headspace is frustrating to be in at the beginning because he's so like unbending, right? And it is fun to see everybody so annoyed with him and like so just done with his like self-righteousness and his unwillingness to compromise and just being, and people being like, you are annoying to be around. I don't want to be around you. Like stop this. And, and Mutadir kind of like pulling him out of that. So I, I like the, the progression of Ali's character, but like when he starts spouting off about like blood purity and those fire worshipers and like all of this bullshit, I just want to be like, you are such a spoiled little brat. But that is, of course, the whole point of this. Right. I mean, there's, there's certain points where, and he's very vocal. He's very vocal about his beliefs, where he stands, what he believes is the truest of true and the rightest of rights. And he could never, you know, whether, and like there, you know, there's the, there's, you know, um, 
sex workers in Davabad. And then he will have people in his, you know, he has two girls welcoming him in his bed. And there's one, you know, and then he's also working with the, the Tanzim, you know, community and kind of giving them money. And the dad finds out about it. And I get, I, we're jumping ahead all to say um there's a point where he's like you know if you weren't so vocal about where you were in your beliefs i would have just thought my son's finally spending his money on just living it up having fun here's some girls here's some money i just am you know just having you know time of my life with this party money as prince number two um but his dad's like but you didn't you are very vocal. And so that only led me to believe that this was how you were spending your money. Um, we'll eventually get to it. But like, I mean, he's just very devout in his beliefs and he's very, and, and, and rigid in a way that you're just like, mm, but let's, let's see that there's others. You, you've lived a life of privilege. He has, you know, aside from being taken, he was like, what is he? He was taken from his mom at five so he could go to the Citadel and raised to be basically his brother's right-hand man in every capacity because his brother is going to be, you know, he is heir to the throne. He wants to be able to be his right-hand man and to, and to, and to protect him, to be the person who, if all else fails, he's the one. Nothing's happening to his brother. It's going to happen to him. And his brother, Mutadir, I really like Mutadir. He's a really fun character. I think personally, he is just the exact opposite of Ali, right? He's like a womanizer. He's all about the brothels. He's, you know, he negotiates very well. Oh, yeah. They, they were, he was trying to write in his mistress into the contract of marrying Nari later in the book. I was like, man, he is thinking about everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's done, but he also very much protects um, Alizade very much protects him uh, from his father and kind of deflects things that is going on, uh, which is nice because at the end of this, that is kind of just like not the case anymore. But it does start off very strong here, especially um, when uh, they Alizade and Mutadi are at, at a party later. That is just very good. Um, but but Alizade Ali becomes um or main character he gets his own pov when he is made ka'ed which is like the the like security chief of the city of devabad and he is forced to move to court by his dad because his dad honestly his dad already knows about uh ali funding the uh his rebel groups he already knows about uh sheikh anas and the weapons and the kids like his dad already knows about this and ali is just like eh. so his dad is forcing him to court to prove his loyalty and ali just doesn't know that yet i love the the deep politics that are being played here it is very fun we have stumbled now we have stumbled now about a little bit of lore. So Dara, through the travels with Nari, like drops a little bit of lore on to Nari as they go on. And also like Ali drops a little bit of lore. So I have like a little paragraph of, of just kind of world building that I think is just like, let's just get it out there and then move on with the story. How's that sound? That works. Yep. Okay. So we have Suleiman. Suleiman formed all six of the Jin tribes. Okay. Suleiman scattered all of these tribes 
all of these tribes have different abilities. Okay. Uh, the devas are in devabods. Okay. Uh, where when you mate with humans, those are the shafit. The Gaziri specifically loved humans a lot, and they were from uh, Yemen specifically. So they see Suleiman, uh, his gifting, I would say, uh, the Ifrit bodies and like tangible bodies. They see it as a blessing and other people see it as a curse. So the Gaziri see Suleiman's blessing and everybody else sees it as Suleiman's curse. Um, Everybody is called Jinn, but Zaydi al-Qahtani rebelled and he stole Suleiman's seal and then had the Devas killed and that was 1400 years ago. Okay, so that is kind of the background that we get through the travels with Dara and Nari and we get more like later on. But the world building is really essential, but also having read the whole series, like so much more is built on top of this that not understanding the like groundwork here is not a deal breaker because of the like really spectacular reinforcement that happens later on in the books. Okay, that's good. Because I feel like that information was just kind of given, but then not and go, wait, like, did I miss a whole section like we had talked about in the beginning of the episode? But to know that there's a payoff, but that's like, you know, sometimes it's fun to be a part of the journey. Um, and then other times you just want to know everything now. Or like the, what that's really what makes a reread so fun because then you're not focused on where is everything. Now you get to kind of be in it or just understand it a little bit more. Ali does not understand court. Ali does not understand court at all. So when he doesn't take any notes, I felt for I, I felt for him. When he was just like, yo, Rashid, I was supposed to take notes on that. I didn't take anything. Rashid's like, I got you. I got you on notes. Um, interesting. Hey, if you want me to look for like a court secretary, yes, please. You want it? You want it? I'll take it. But you know, it just, I think it also kind of talking it out now, it reinforces the fact that he was never meant for court or he was never like groomed for court. He was groomed to train as a protector, as security, as a warrior, not necessarily for the court politics. He was just kind of like, he's the soldier. You know, he's the doer. You tell him what to do. He kind of like acted first, thought about things later. And now he's trying to find a way, uh, find a balance between that because his dad, you know, his dad says, you know what? No Citadel for you anymore. No, no. You're coming back home. You're living under my roof. And the roof is is one of my favorite things. The roof is the Nahid Palace, which is Nari's like family, the ruling family which were killed and, you know, taken over by the Gaziris, which is Ali's family. Now, the palace, they call it a haunted palace. And it and like walls show up when there aren't walls or, you know, uh, statues go to the top of the roof. Uh, doors are sealed shut. And Ali doesn't like it. He gives it like, you know, he feels like we are not wanted here. Like this is not for us. And everybody else is just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine, ha, 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 it's haunted. And Ali's like, yeah, no, though, like, mm. Yeah, see, Ali's picking up on the vibes, and everybody else is, the thing is, I don't want to say people, the other people don't know, aren't picking up on them, it's just they're ignoring them, because they also know the truth and the history, um, and, and, uh, what, I mean, what does Ali's brother say? He goes, oh, 
you have so much, you have so much to learn because his brother was like, Oh, you know, how was that, that date or how was that meeting with so and so? And he's like, Oh, it was very successful. Like, you know, like he just hooked up with somebody and he's like, Oh, like I'm glad to hear. And he was like, Oh, little bro, you, you have so much to learn. And that's good. But like, he's just, he's very much, he's, as annoying as he is, he's also very sheltered from everything. I think it just continuously drives that home. Yeah, I, I really do think so, too. Because after, uh, you know, Ali gets, like, worked up over several things. But one of the times, Mutadir is like, okay, look, I'm going to defend you because um, Hanzada called you, like, a mixed tribe brat. And I cannot let that stand. This is at the party that um, Ali goes to uh, with Mutadir. Um, he's like, look, look, Hanzada, that is some bullshit. You can't say that about my brother. But also um, in Gaziri, in the language that only they can speak, the Gaziris, uh, Mutadir is like, Ali, you're being a fucking asshole, my guy. You cannot talk like this. Like, this this is not what this is. And, like, also, like, you cannot run off and scream at people because those people are positioned so that your outburst is going to make you look like you are irresponsible and, like, you can't be here. It's a whole fucking thing, my guy. You have to play the game. And I, I just love that, obviously. This is just so, so politic-heavy because Rashid, who who introduces himself as like this this helping hand to Ali does end up kind of like dragging him in to a situation he doesn't want to be in and then fucking him over and then dying. Rashid does uh, really manipulate Ali when he takes him to that orphanage. Jess, we have a rook in this book. Were you expecting were you expecting a rook? No, but I was excited that I knew what it was. <laughs> right? This this book is kind of like a really good summary of, or like a litmus test for fantasy in general. It's like, okay, do you know this, 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 and this? Okay, then, you know, you're doing pretty good on your YA fantasy. And you are. I thought it was great for just the, just to have Jin in general, because I, I feel like I knew about them from Supernatural, obviously. And then we had exposure to it a little bit in Weetzy. Um, but I don't think they called it a Jin. I think they just said like a genie and a magic lamp, but Jin in this book is also, you know, we have six tribes. We have different backgrounds. There's a variety of types. And then with, um, Dara specifically, you knew the type of djinn he was because there were certain, I mean, I could count on one hand, like, especially when he was kind of going in feral mode, trying to protect Nari at the end. And she goes, I wish you would stop. Like you, like it was like the certain language that she had to use where he really did stop. And it wasn't like she had three wishes. It was just the specific language in order for her to like kind of tap through to him. Yes. And were you expecting their kiss? I was hoping for it, but I was like, no, it's not going to happen. But I would love for it to happen, even though I don't consider this like a romance at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And like this... Technically, this is like an age gap romance. I guess if you want to get really technical about it, uh, but they don't have a romance. Like, do age, do age gap romances count if it's fantasy? Like, I know some people will argue yes. 
I think it depends. I don't know, because now I'm thinking about some other books that I've read where I'm like, ew, gross, that's too much because it felt very grooming. Um, but then in other capacities, I'm like, hey, it's fine. Give me a Illyrian male anytime. Well, an Illyrian male, I think, is a really good comparison specifically to Dara, specifically uh, when referencing a himbo, because he's just not the smartest. Like, he's just not. He's just not. And like, everybody knows it too. And everybody says it to him. And he, he just, he just can't play the game very well. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. He's, he's sweet. Um, but he does get hot and heavy with Nari, even though he's like not supposed to. And he like knows he's not supposed to. But at this point, like, they are almost in Devabad. They have been traveling together every single day, nonstop. For, you know, over a month at this point. And I, I, I like, I like the, the slow build of trust between them. Nari's like, you know, before I, I really wouldn't have acted this way, but I don't give a shit. We're so dirty. We're both so gross. Like we're both in the sand together. Like I'm going to lean on them. I don't give a shit. I'm going to like, you know, like sleep next to them. I don't care. Like we're travel buddies. I get it. At this point, like, I don't think anybody cares. No, no, not at all. I, not at all. But, 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 but we, we can't have nice things because as soon as they kiss, like, there's like thunder, there's a feeling that Nari gets and Nari's like, something's not right. Something's not right. And I really like, um, Dara. He's like, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. We we're making out. Like, mm, I didn't hear anything. I just think it went my day. Yeah. Like, uh, he- it's fine. It's fine. But Nari, and Nari's like, it, well, I didn't, it wasn't something I heard. It was more like a, like a feeling. And of course she's right. Um, because we have, uh, Ashma, I believe it's Ashma, who is the, Ifrit, who is attacking them. And he he's the one that starts like really talking in this situation. This is kind of like our last big battle before we reveal Devabad. Uh, so we're at the we're at the Gozon River. You know, we're right here. The Ifrit's attacking. Nari's like falling down hills. She's running in water. She's trying her best to like get away from these Ifrits who are now saying, like, I'm going to return you to Maniza unharmed. She didn't say shit about the offsheen. So like, whatever. Uh, one of the other Ifrit is Kendisha. And she is the one who killed Dara and enslaved him. So there is trauma there. And also, there is a fucking water serpent. Uh, lots of water serpents, I feel like we've read recently. I don't know why that is. I just feel like that is a theme. Um, I guess, yeah. Two. Two two is, you know, two. Two's a lot. So this is number three. So we have our third water serpent in our book. Uh very fun, very scary. Very scary situation, right? Especially like Jin are fire. So that he's uh, Dara, her protector, is terrified of water. Throwing that out there. Which makes sense because but because we know that. But I also think that Nari thinks it's so funny. She's like, wait, we've been traveling this whole time. And that's the thing that's good. We, you've, you, what was it? Like, he was eaten by a rook and he got swallowed and he used his powers from the inside. Like, think of the scene from Hercules when he gets swallowed by the Hydra. And like, that's kind of what Dara did. And he like burned him from the inside out. So, She's kind of like, we've gone through all this shit and this is 
this is what scares you? I mean, I, oh, I guess that is like Illyrian. We got Briaxis all over again. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just very fun. It's just, it's, it's very fun. These, these little things, but also Kandisha refers to Dara as the scourge. And this is our first kind of like someone else is saying something about Dara and being like, mm, you don't really, you don't think you know, you don't even know what you don't know about, about your guy. Yeah. Cause it's, it's another name. People are referencing him, but she has no, knowledge she's like okay there's something about this scourge i but she doesn't know the depth of it and in what relation to it because even later in in the book where like dara and ollie are having a one-on-one he's like ollie even says have you even told her your history and i mean he hasn't but in a way she knows certain things because she has seen his past through his memories, through his dreams, because she even has that realization at the end of this book where she kind of put it, it kind of put it into perspective to say, okay, this is all he knows of these people. And I can see why he thinks the only way to protect me is to get me out of here. And they think like Devabod is the safest place for Nari to be, which is, you know, very fun, very fun. Uh, but to get there, we have Hyzor. Hyzor comes in and saves the day, our favorite bird person. Like he comes in, green feathers fly in, and he's like, no, with that fucking water serpent and the wave and all of that. Uh, but in doing so, he betrays his people because he's interfering, his people, um, the parries of the wind. Uh, and he dies and Nari tries to heal him and she can't. And Hyzor is like, yo, you can't. Like, I know it. You know, it is fine. Like, my people are going to come for me. It, it's all bad. I liked him. I couldn't believe we got a death so soon. And in book one, so soon. Yeah. And in like love, love. But it is through that sacrifice that that Dara and Nari are able to pass through the veil. And Hyzor would not have been able to go with them because only Jin can pass through the veil and get to Devabod, which is like the kind of the whole kind of crux of this, right? So the veil keeps humans and Jin separate. That is like the big thing and keeps Devabod hidden and you have to have gin enough gin blood to pass through the veil. Otherwise you, you just don't, you just don't go. So like Hyzor dies on the outside of that and his people come and get him. And that's very sad. Um, but then, but then like we're on the boat, we're listening to, you know, cheese merchants and like salt merchants and Gaziri, which is a language that can't be learned, which like kind of pisses off Nari, which I love. Um, but then we're in Devabod. The wabam shabam. All of our main characters are now in one place and the story like can kind of pop off from here. So it's like travel, but now we're here and everything from here on out takes place in the city of Devabod. Uh, you know, which is great. Very fun. Uh, I love Devabod. The world building of this city. Fantastic. I want a, like a, a kind of more detailed map, but you know, we can get that. And I, I like the, the setup, you know, there's gates. We love a city with gates. Uh, there's marketplaces, there's bazaars. It's great. It's great. It's great. The city of brass, as it were. And here is, you know, they get to shore and Dara is very much like, you need to kind of, we're going to be made really quick. You're going to get made really quick because you look human. 
you know, you, we have, so basically the first thing before we start dancing around is going, it it would behoove us to go straight to the king, go straight to, um, to Gassan. Thank you. Gassan. Um, and it is there that they kind of, he goes, she's like, well, what do I say? And he's like, she's like, he's like, you got to tell him the truth. And she's like, the whole, he's like, oh, not the not whole truth. all of it. No, yeah. So we got to like kind of, you know, skirt around it a little bit. We'll fudge some, in the, some stuff in the beginning and then everything else you can tell him. With that information, Gassan ultimately says, Look, you are the long lost daughter of the Nahid. You have these great powers. We're going, you're going to be under our protection. Um, if anybody asks, we'll say it is part of a curse, a hex that was put on you. And now you're a long lost prodigal daughter. That's kind of returned kind of thing to the city. Um, and right away. And, and at this point, Dara's like, I do, you know, like Laura had said, you know, he's having that conversation. This is part of his duty of who he is and who his family was to kind of be that, that protector of the Nahid. So they, uh, Ghassan and he, his, you know, him and his kingdom, his, with his rule, they put her up in the castle. Um, Dara is very close by because he's her protector. There's lots of rules about, you know, men and women being alone in the same vicinity without like a chaperone. Um, but, but Nari's very much like, I could get used to this. I don't, you're this, all this stuff is just like being handed to me. You don't understand. I've been struggling, like scamming tourists for so long and thieving and like having all these side hustles. Like I could get used like this. It is nice to live the soft life right now. It really is. And the King Gassan, though, is, is playing the game, though, immediately. And I love it, though, because as soon as Nari's presented, he's like, yo, Maniza? Maniza, is that you? And then it's like, oh, no. What do you mean she looks shawfeet? I see her. She's pure blood. Hello. Well, I can see it. And, and I love it because at the end, at the end, uh, he's like, yeah, what did I say it was? Oh yeah. I sold that really good. Right. I sold it so fantastic. Well, then even Nazreen, she had said, um, at some point, again, I'm jumping ahead, but she goes, you're playing. She goes, you're, they're, they're playing you and you're feeding right into it. They don't want you to be powerful. They want you to play the game. They just want you for like optics. Basically, they want you to be weak. Why would they want you to be strong? They need to utilize you for like the least amount of work for the maximum capitalist amount of gain. Yes. Yes. They absolutely would. And that is kind of reflected in the, the politics in the hospital that goes on a little bit later. Um, but Maniza, Maniza, we haven't really talked about who Maniza was. Um, the king, I'm just going to say, was like infatuated in love with Maniza and like she didn't have anything to do with him. And he's like kind of salty about it this whole time because he says like throwaway comments like, you know, we should have mixed the tribes. It should have been done a long time ago. I would have done it, you know, if people weren't so up in arms about it. Um, but Maniza was a famous, not, 
famous, very powerful, very kind of like scary Nahid healer that was in the court uh, until she and her brother were killed and they were the last Nahids of their kind. And it is through this kind of reveal that the king kind of starts taking all of these pieces of Nari's history and being like, well, I don't know. She wanted to go out in the desert for no reason. It was no reason. Well, maybe she could have given birth. And he starts to like really plant the seeds of legitimizing Nari. And later on, the king is like, because it pleases me for her to be Maniza's daughter. It's just something that I like. And I love that he starts playing the game with Manai, with Nari here immediately, knowing that he's been playing the game with Ali from even earlier. It's just, I appreciate somebody that's just like, he, he, he knows. He's a king. He knows what's going on. He doesn't have time for this bullshit. It's the politics that it's like, it's the forethought that comes with being in the political position that he's in. Yes. Because how weak would it look if he, uh, who, who is this person? I didn't know who they are. Then it becomes that spiral effect of now you have people coming into your kingdom and you don't know who they are. You talk about security, like there's like a, a snowball effect. Something that I don't like about book one specifically is the way that Princess Zainab and Nari are just like pitted against each other and they don't get along. Like Zainab gets Nari drunk with the hope that she'll pass out um, because she had wine and she had meat dishes, which are just things that Nahids don't do. So I don't, I don't like that. And um, Ali is also kind of pretty hostile to Nari too, when he's like taking her to the bathhouses and getting cleaned up and all of that stuff. He, and he does say like, that was rude. That was really fucking rude to me. And I shouldn't have been that rude. Uh, so that that is kind of an underlying thing here. But then then we do have um, the king, our king, again, saying to Ali, uh, you know what? You know what? You know what? Um, Mutadir and Ari are going to get married. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. You are going to be her friend. You are going to be her friend. And uh, you are actually, though, um, working with the Tazin. This is the confrontation, right? This is the yeah. big confrontation. And, um, you know, you have been caught and you're too smart. You taught them how to hide their money. I looked into it because, like, I'm your dad. And, like, what the fuck? It's my money. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what the fuck, my guy? You can't do this. So what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you uh, prove your loyalty to me by bringing over Nari to our side, by like ingratiating you and our family and making her like love us. That is your fucking job because you're obsessed with Egypt and like go learn Arabic, like go, go, go make a fucking friend. And my favorite line about all of this, um, besides the fact that Ali later on, it's like, yeah, dad said he, it looked like you wanted to throw yourself off of the, the, um, off of the balcony. He was like, yeah, I thought, I thought maybe it'd be an option. I thought maybe that would be better. Um, but Ali says like, you want me to be befriend her? A girl? It's like a girl. That's, that's, and like, that's really like what his over, like underlying issue was. It's just like, I don't know how to talk to a girl. Out of everything, that was his biggest, that was his biggest concern. And his dad, and then he was like, but why me? Why can't Muntadir do this? And he goes, because if you're going to be, you're like the test subject, because you can find out 
what she doesn't like. And then we could set it up so we could to like avoid that and like make it work for him. And everything's easier. Yeah. You're just like the easier. You're like, you're, you're the test subject. This is going to be great. Because as the second son, Ali can't get married because that, uh, in, right. that helps to incite like rebellion when second sons have families and children. Which was like, it makes sense, obviously, but I don't know. Like at first I was just like, I was stuck in second born son is the spare. So mm-hmm. that's where I thought that this book was going to go, that his brother was going to die. And then, and then like, of course, like him and his brother are having arguments. He's like, well, why don't you marry her? And he's like, cause I can't, I actually can't. Um, so I was like, Oh, I mean, the explanation makes so much sense, but I, I was just expecting it to go into a different way because of just traditionally, um, the second born son is the heir, but you find out more about like, everybody thought right away that, uh, that Ghassan was going to have his second, you know, Ali unalived at birth when he found out that it was when it, when he found out his wife was having another son. Because it's rare. Because it, it's having, rare and yeah. so co- close together. Like, there were a lot of factors. And, like, his dad felt so betrayed. And he was like, does nobody know me? My own wife doesn't know me. I can't believe that she thinks I would kill my son. Like, And like you said, it's known that he is the favorite son. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's I, I, I really, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy this. Something that I don't really enjoy are the multiple, and not because they're bad. It's just because I don't love watching someone struggle is the multiple scenes of Nari trying to treat these patients and just like fucking failing. So like the first one's the fire salamander. Obviously she fucking fails and, you know, she ends up, she ends up befriending Ali when she catches him swimming and his swimming is a whole subplot. But the the way that Nari, and I really do respect this about Nari, Nari is just like, what the absolute fuck, full stop. Full stop. Fire Salamander, are you insane? What? He turned into a bird? He's burning into ashes? What is the science here? You have humors? All the humors need to be balanced? And Nari's just like, what the fuck is this? What is this? I think she's so funny. I love it. Like when she, the, with the fire salamander patient, she's like, she's like, well, maybe if you didn't need a salamander, like it's just like customer service 101 when you got that Karen. And then she's like, I don't know. It must have been the neighbor. She hexed me. And you have Nari like, I can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was so good. I was like, Oh, I'm right there with you. But like, this is the first time and it happens again where Nari's just like, fuck this i'm out like you didn't train me for this you lectured at me and and i can't do this and i can't do this and it's not fair that you're asking me to do this it's not fair that you think i should like pray to my altars i'm not fucking religious like what is this and i i love nari um when she finally does stand up about this later um but in this first scene it just like goes to complete shit um but you know it is, it is what it is, but it is because it goes to shit and she stumbles upon Ali and they agree to like, you know, be friends, like learn Arabic and like learn about all of this stuff that we get kind of like extended scenes of Nari and Ali like learning together and like in the library or they're like talking about locks or talking about sweets. It's very fun. It's a fun little montage. And, you know, it's funny because it's like he's finally like granted he has this whole 
other agenda at this point to befriend Nari, but you have people talk, the rumors are going on about him. And somebody even says like, do you know the rumors going around about you and Nari that you're fucking her in the library? And you know, like, it's so not in his character that he's like, what? I would never like, that's not who like, people can be just friends. You know, now he's learning you can be just platonic friends. He's like, no, no, that's not it. But she is gorgeous. But and she's smart. And she's funny. And Mutadir, like, you're gonna marry her but like you know she you should appreciate her and she's she's so smart y'all like mm, i like that a lot oh yeah like he has he knows his brother's gonna be like a fuck boy about it and he's like i know my brother but like she deserves better yeah it's just like this this is not fair like meh and and it's all true it is all it is all completely true which you know very good uh, one of the things that Ali has to do is he's supposed to like train Jamshit. And of course, it doesn't really go very well. Um, but he does have this battle that we talked about earlier. It's Ali training Jamshit and then Dara comes in and there's this whole like, like battle that they have where they, they're like sparring and like throwing out history and being like, well, you did this and you did this and your people did this and da 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 da. It's all very manly. The words were exchanged, you know, until there was like that final blow. Oh, what would have happened? Um, where were you when your sister was being carved into? I was like, oh, these are blow. We are going low blows for this. Yeah. And he ends up like breaking all these wrists because of this. And, and later on, Dara's like, did I really break it? Uh, his bones made such a great noise. I was so mad. It's just like, damn boys. And then she calls him out on it too. She's like, wait are you jealous? Like, and not in a, and again, like this, the way it's delivered in the audiobook, it wasn't like a accusatory. Are you jealous? It was like, oh my God, wait, wait, we haven't like talked about anything since I kissed you twice. I kissed you twice. She's like, you're jealous, aren't you? Like, this is so fun. And you know, part of me thinks at this point that, that he should be jealous because by the time Ali has Nari conjure flame in her hand, I'm like, y'all are too cute. Y'all are, y'all are so fun. Like, and he's like, well, yeah, no, you've tried it twice. Do you know how many times I had to try to like light my sword on fire? So many, like just try again. And then he's like, try in Arabic, like try in your native tongue. And like, bam, she starts like having flame. And I like that because that's when, then in my opinion, this is when Nari really starts to be like confident in herself a little bit more. She's like, see, I can learn new magic here. I can do something instead of just failing constantly. Because I think it's important to reiterate that Nari is basically a prisoner in the palace in the infirmary. And she she doesn't leave and she hasn't left for a long time. And to add to that, it's... um there has to be a passion connected to it because that's what Ollie was saying, like an, a, a, your native tongue that you're passionate about, that you're familiar with. And you later have that where uh, Nazreen, she's doing, you know, she's practicing for like her healing and she doesn't care. Like she's just kind of doing it. And Nazreen is even like the fact that you're just, your, your concern is appeasing Ghassan and not even your patient. And we'll get into that hospital moment in a second. But then 
to come back to when Ollie was hurt and she was just like heal. Like all she was saying was like touching the different points on his body because she was so passionate and caring and making sure that everything was like, he was like healing instantaneously. Yeah, he was healing instantaneously. And he also does that in the water too, which is all very fun. We'll get to that at the end when it's just like bam, 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 bam. Uh, but what Ali does uh, when he sees Rashid again in the library and Rashid is just like, you know, you shouldn't be with Nari. She's like, mm, you know, uh, the scourge is whore, I think is when they start to call her the scourge is whore. And mm-hmm. Ali is just like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm not going to fund you anymore. I'm not funding you anymore. I got caught. My dad knows about us. I'm done with all of this bullshit. Just take it, take it, take it away from me. And Rashid is just like, you know, Anas, Anas is, is had all this faith in you and he, would not love this. And Ali is just like, look, I don't think you understand that there's an opportunity here with Nari and Mutadir to bridge the gap and really make positive change. And BT dubs Mutadir said when he's king, he's going to give me all this power to like help the Shafi. So like I'm doing, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm just not doing it the way that you want it to be done. And Rashid does not give a single fuck about that. And it's just like, fuck you. Fuck you, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, which is, you know, it takes a lot. I mean, you you see Ollie's growth because he's starting to just kind of have a voice for himself and not just being a yes man. Yeah. And also he's starting to think a little bit critically too, because he's been fooled by these people before. Even Mutadir is like, what did he do? Did he show you sick kids? Like, come on. Like, everybody knows that you have too much money and you throw it at any Shafi that looks at you. Like, we know this. It's just, it's all, it's all very, it's all very. Well, and to that, it's like another great example is when he was funding them and then when he gets stabbed by the shapeshifter, like, He's stabbed by what, like, he supplied them. Yeah, he supplied, and he didn't do enough, according to them. So, yeah. Oh, that's such a... Meanwhile, he, uh, it's it's just like one of those things, it's because he got, if he never got in in the first place, then it wouldn't, it would be a non-issue. But now it was like, well, you gave us a little bit, and now you didn't give us enough. And like, it's this, it's this, but that, I guess, it's this another snowballing thing. But who's to say, like what kind you know it's it's all the politics and all the communities involved and you know people who are it's it's you have disproportionate and marginalized communities within this within these conversations and any political conversations when you know that that we're discussing in these books and also we haven't talked about it but the religious divide is pretty stark here between the devas and the the rest of the the jinn, like the um, the Gizanis and everybody, like they they have very different faiths. So the devas are fire worshippers, and that is used as a slur against them. Yes, that's just very important. And Ali uh, is not any part of this. Ali is like very strict um, to the 
uh, Jin Faith. Uh, be, I'm bringing this up because we are at now this scene at the Grand Temple where Dara's like, look, I'm going to answer all your questions, Nari. We're going to talk. We're going to have so much time to talk. We're going to go to the temple. You're going to meet the priests. You're going to see our culture and our people and everything. I'm going to answer all of these questions for you. All he fucking does here is like toot his own horn and be like, hey, you should marry Jom shit. You should marry Jom shit. And and Nari's like, oh, what, what? But then Dara says, "My favorite, my favorite thing, though." He goes, "Nari, you need to have children. You are the last of your kind. You need to have children." Which, like, obviously, I don't love when a man says, "Like, you need to have children." But then he follows it up with, "Like, the perfect thing, Nari. I am not alive. I cannot." give you children so like immediately it's just like oh well that's you know that's so that's what do you say that's to that a point what do you that's say a to point because like <laughs> that's the part where i was like my notes were that like he's pushing her off onto him he's like that never should have happened she's like it was all mutual and then she recounts like wait i was the one who who's like i don't want to say instigate but like she was the one who kissed him first both on both accounts and she's like oh my god it wasn't mutual it wasn't consensual this is me oh my god who am i he's like no 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 like that's it was entirely mutual but this and i think it was the fact that that was the line it also reminded us as the reader oh wait oh that's right because you're still cheering for them despite it all and i don't like the fact that he's like saying like oh you need to have kids you need to carry on the line um because it feels very she's being bred to make more healers because she's the last like that's what that felt like and she was and that's clearly what she felt like too and she was like what and he's like you just gotta understand where i'm coming from and then she eventually is like fuck you and the horse that you rode in on i'm out yeah so he says all these things and of course like she storms off he's frustrated she goes in this moment we don't see but we find out later that she's making her own like agreements with the king with gasan and his sons and muntadir and all everything and then when he finds out, he's like, wait, you did what? Oh, and then I just had you in the back of my head. Like, oh, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, shocking. And, like, and, and he's even trying to be like, but she's not 25. And and he's like, oh, but I guess she's really eager for me. And he's like, he's about to snap. But he's like, I got to play it cool. And he's like, well, she's the Banu Nahida. I am here for her. Um, I am here to support her in whatever decisions she makes, but <laughs> yeah, no, for real, for real. And it is also like through this fight though, that they have in this temple that we get a little bit more background, right? Cause we get the slave vessel rings. Those slave vessel rings are next to Anahid, Anahid's like first altar, right? So it's like religious things. And we know that because Dara was a slave and like his ring on his hand, you know, this is all, this is all, this is all. Um, we get a little bit more of Dara's history too. Like he was exiled 
um, by for following orders and he was exiled and that's why he wasn't there when they sacked the city um, and then he ended up fighting a bunch of the Gaziris and he was captured by the Ifrits you know and that's why he was found in the well and like all of this stuff so she hears all of his kind of background but also like jump shit's there too and he's giving like little like interesting tidbits like only davids are allowed in the temple and there's no magic in here and you're always pure and like all this all this like little like boom 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 facts stuff but it is after that fight that they have uh they being nari and um uh, Dara, that we don't see them together until like the attempted kidnapping. Um, because it is after this, we go straight to the stargazing and the stargazing attempted murder of Ali by the shapeshifter, as Jess, you mentioned earlier. And that, that's just like wild. That is wild shit. Um, where he gets stabbed. But I do like though that Ali is like, you know what? Nari and I are so into these fucking stars and uh, Mutadir doesn't give a shit. They're a bad match. They're a bad match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because doesn't his dad even say like, why don't I just talk to her about like that astrology mm-hmm. yeah. stuff that you like? And he's like, it's astronomy. Yeah, he's like, That's but, not right. Okay. But can we also backtrack a little bit to chapter 25 where Dara has his surreal moment and starts spilling the tea because he's so pissed about like the decision that Nari made. She's like, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to marry them and I'm going to, we're going to make the paperwork and I'm going to do this, that, the other thing. And he's like, he's spilling the tea because he's jealous. And then, uh, there's the girl that is, I don't remember her name, but she's Muntadir's, um, basically like his mistress, but like, I guess it's his girlfriend because he's not dating anybody else. And he's like, Oh, you want that white picket fence with like, you'd escape all the palace riches to just like be on a swing and do this, that. And he's, she's like, how do you know that? And Muntadir's not even thinking about that because he's like, but that's not what you're about. You're about Jamshed. And he's like, this is interesting. And everybody's like, uh, uh, because then his dad, jump, uh, jump shed. Um, then Muntadir's dad, Gassan, brings it up at the get, uh, again the at end. the end of the book. He's like, keep it in your pants. This is not where we need to be. That's not where your head needs to be at. It's so good. It's so good. Oh my God. It's so I just fun. love that moment. It was so good. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, we're in like the backslide of this book. There isn't that much left. Um, no, there's like five chapters left. Yeah, there, there, there is not quick. much. Yeah, there is not much. So, so, okay. There, so everybody is stargazing and then Nari gets called away, um, by Nazreen. She gets called to the infirmary and that's where Gassan is with his friend who is dying. And that, that's that final scene. Um, and we'll, t- we'll talk about that, but, uh, it is, it is this stargazing where, um, the shapeshifter comes and stabs Ali and Jamshit is up there looking for Mutadir with the wine, right? He's like, Jamshit, you up here? My guy, <laughs> my guy. And he's like, Oh, fuck. Ali and Ali. Ali is cold. Oh my God. He is stone cold. Ali's like, get rid of the fucking body. Get rid of the fucking body. I don't care if he's still alive. Get rid of the fucking body. Throw him in the lake. This will start a fucking war. That is cold shit. And when I read that the first time, I was like, all right, Ali. I guess your dad was right. You are capable as fuck. Okay. Okay. Well, and I feel like, well, and again, like even his brother realizes it after and 
And Ollie's like, I can't believe you think I'd be capable of capable of of killing you for the throne. And he's like, how do you not think I wouldn't think that? Because look at what you've done up until this point. That's pretty cold hearted. And he's like, and, you know, and Ollie in defense to himself, he's like, yeah, to other people, I want to do that to you because like that part I get, I could be a cold ass bitch to a lot of people. But if I care about you, I couldn't even like that wouldn't even cross my mind. Oh, oh, oh. Do you think the king really cared about that advisor that he stuck in there? Do you think do you think that no. was really his friend or he he was just like playing no. that up to make Nari No, I sweat. think he was. I think he was playing it up because even Nazreen confirms it. She's like, you know why he was here, right? He's trying to get more people. Like he, he's trying to get more people in the beds. He's trying to secure his get some money. Know, some, yeah, like he wants to see your progress. And he's like, if he's like positioning it as a oh, this is my friend, and here's my other friend. Like try to light a fire under you. At the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if it was his friends because he's like, oh, I want all my, I want my people taken care of and healed first before. Or you help like my the people of my kingdom and this is another instance where nari was just like given like verbal instructions and being like yeah but the spirits of your ancestors will help you and nari's like what the fuck my guy and she ends up killing this guy like she uh, cannot use the needle correctly. She can't give him any relief and she fucking kills him before his wife gets there. And this is the other instance where Nari's like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And she locks herself in her room. Good thing. Good thing. Because Jamsha is carrying Ali in kind of a, what the fuck did I get myself into? Like internal dialogue and dumps Ali in Nari's room and is like, do something. Do some, fix him. I'm going to get his brother. Confession, that scene, you know, where Nari's like, oh my gosh, he's like carrying around this sack. And then she, and then I was like, oh, that would make sense that she put, he put the prince in a sack so he doesn't look like he's carrying this body around the castle, the prince's body around the castle. And then when she goes, that's not a sack, that's Ali. And I was like, Oh, it was never a sack, but I really liked the visual that there could have been a, like just a, a potato sack, a large body bag potato sack. <laughs> it's like, hey, but you know, it's, it's late enough. You have to, you know, they're in the back passages. It's dark. It's, dark. Dark. it's 1700s. It's fine. It's fine. There's it's no fine. electricity. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so Ali is out for four days with this wound that, uh, Nari has to like stitch together and he's so thirsty, right? He just like starts chugging all of this water and he's just so thirsty and it's this whole thing and it's seeping out of his cuts mm -hmm. it's all out of him which is important because as fire beings jinn don't sweat and they have an aversion to water so ali going swimming all of this stuff it, it's it's you know kind of sus and he does it on the side and it is something that his mother insisted on him doing but it is just like kind of look down upon which is why when Zainab says like you know being of mixed tribes is really hard but you wouldn't know that because you never fucking asked me anything I really felt that with Zainab uh, and it it doesn't do anything to kind of dissuade the way that her character is in this book which is not great but I do like that Zainab's like you never pay attention to me Ali like you wouldn't know any of this you never talk to me good stuff all good stuff very fun um the the kidnapping. Were you expecting any of this kidnapping? 
No, because it didn't turn into like it get because it turns into a kidnapping because what it was supposed to it starts off as a let's run away together, um and quickly turns into this jealous thing because they obviously were fighting, they hadn't spoken, then you have Ali is in your room, why at at this time, so he already has like preconceived notions in his head. Then she's like, you don't know the whole story. Calm down. They have already been like male egoing each other for some time. Um, and then you have like, Oh, you know, Nari, you know, you have, then you have like security on the door. Hey, is everything okay in there, Nari? And you have, uh, you have Ollie like, nope, come right in. And she's like, shut the fuck up. Like, you can't, like, I love this guy. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it's too late. But like, he takes the choice away from her. And that said, like, he kidnaps her and he's like, all right, you're here. Get some iron. Wrap your hands around. You're coming with us too. Um, they go through a secret door, which gets sealed off goes back to the whole like houses you know palaces haunted situation and then they're off they he's like we're gonna run away together like and she's like this isn't this isn't who you are like that we we have so many other things that we need to discuss there's like but don't hurt him like i need to take care of him he needs to be healed if you we don't do this i'll never forgive you but then of course it's the back and forth don't do that to him or i'll never forget you it's all like she's trying to maintain some control and there is no control happening no there's no control happening at all and i do appreciate ali too ali being like well what what is what is this like uh, were you gonna were you gonna go like were you gonna what mm. but you signed the papers that was the other thing ali was like you signed you promised us you did this that the other thing she's like i don't even know what the hell is happening right now calm down yeah so by the time they get to the the copper boat right um by the time they get to the copper boat and they like go through the veil and it's revealed that ali like ali was in on this which i love and ali's like i'm sorry like i'm sorry i'm sorry about all of this like we knew about the boat we we couldn't use it. It's like it has to be the Davas. Like we couldn't do it. Oh yeah, because he's just like I am so sorry to break this to you, Nari. Yeah, and I was like boom, and then you got like arrows coming everywhere, and they've all been like setting up because they're like, oh yeah, like we learned from this angle, you can't see anything, and you wouldn't know. Yeah. So here comes the soldiers. Here comes Mutadir. Um, you know, here comes the arrows. Uh, Jamshit. You know, all these people are are coming because, like, um, Dara's like, you know, we have allies. We have allies. We can get out of here. It's fine. We have supporters. We have backers. Mila, he has like a guy. He has like like a, I know a guy. Yeah, he has like a single guy. Um, but it this this. This confrontation from here leads to everything that happens from here on out. Because, like, what happens? Um, Dara, Dara <laughs> fucking shoots Ali. Like, just just straight up shoots Ali. Right? Like, one in the chest, one in the throat. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like, throat first, then chest. And I was like, ooh, double ooh. <laughs> yeah. And Ali just goes straight back into the water. 
which we know that from the initial crossing into Devabad, that you don't touch the water. You don't go into the lake. Like Aliyah's had to execute prisoners uh, in the boat. You just, you don't go into the water. Prisoners actually prefer to be like smothered in brass uh, instead of jumping into the water because of the Marid. And there's like a whole situation we'll talk to of the Marid. And we also know... If no head, not dead. Yes, if no head, not dead. So Ali Ali goes into the water and it's like Ali has his own POV situation. This is the moment like everybody thinks Ali is dead. Yeah, like, Ali is there's, dead. Everybody's like devastated. Everybody's actions from Ali's family side is, is stemmed from grief in this moment because yeah. they think he's dead. Especially with what we know about the water. Yes. So Mutadir goes into a rage and he starts like attacking and trying to do all of the things. And Dara uh, has now started to um, scourge him, which is terrible. Uh, He is scourging Mutadir. uh, Very terrible. Um, Now, Ali, Ali is having his own his own POV. I do not think I would have resisted. Uh, like, Ali does not resist the Marid possession. Uh, he has shown really horrible images. He is in excruciating pain. These animals are biting him. He's being possessed by the Marids. And they show him these images and say, like, give us your name, give us your name, give us your name. Because as we have said, names have power, you know, all of this stuff. And Ali fucking gives it. He's like, yo, it's this. And then out comes Ali, black eyes, covered in like sea detritus, whatever. And has, uh, what, Suleiman's ring? Is that right? Suleiman's seal? Takes all the power away and just starts like fucking fucking up the day. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Like cannot get through to him kind of situation he's possessed at this point um chops off uh dara's arm hand because the hand has the ring uh because being possessed they're all talking about the ring get the ring you know kill him all this stuff uh kill the deva um and he does and he turns to ash and nari we find out in the following chapter or two uh she basically is like blacked out with rage and grief and doesn't even know what's happening. Um, and he turns to Ash. And even at that point, I was like, I know I said head not dead, but like, we could do something with the ring. We could do something with the ashes. Like something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. This is fine. This is fine. This is only book one, especially because we're reading it now. I know it's a, it's a complete trilogy. So while like that, you can't just give me this like character that with such significance in book one and think I'm not going to be like, so something's going to, it's going to turn out fine. But I was like, in that moment, it was very much like, oh, they did it. There's follow through there. They did it. Yeah, they did. The YA always does the thing is uh, they did the thing. So there's like a blackout, right? So like Ali blacks out, everybody's blacking out. We wake up. Everybody wakes up later. (laughs) Everybody wakes up later. Uh, Nari wakes up and she is like trying to cut herself to try to uh, redo the czar that got her, that got her Dara in the first place. And she's like trying to get everything right. She can't do it. So Ali wakes up and he's in the infirmary and his dad is there. And like, um, Nazreen is all these baskets of all these animals that they've taken off of him. His body is completely scarred. And we get with, um, uh, Gassan here a little bit about the Marid, which 
I think is really fun and really interesting. It's just this more lore that we have. Like, no, like the Marid are real. Like, like, uh, like Zadie saw them in the beginning. Like, um, we made an agreement to never betray the Marid and the Marids helped us take over the Nahids. Like we, we were all, we were all up in, in each other's business and we just don't talk about it anymore. Well, this is, yeah, this is how like, Ali is finding out the truth of what everybody else had already known and has been dancing around him for so long. Yeah. And it is it. And Gasson is telling him all of this, like kind of sadly too, like looking at him like, because mm, mm, mm. he, he I, I feel at this point, like he knows, like he knows because Ali is like guzzling water, you know, he's sweating. All of this stuff is happening to him that is just like not normal so it is because of all of this like mutadir is like you can't be here you're controlling water you're making pipes explode you're like making bowls of water explode like you have to get out of here you have to control this this is just gonna bring more like political fallout to the family and then a little bit later gasan is like i fucking banish you i banish you because i cannot give the order to kill you because you're my fucking favorite son but because i'm banishing you all those assassins are going to kill you anyway it is what it is and i feel bad for him about that um because it's the it's the confrontation in the mosque right because um gasan is like you know i executed rashid he's gone right he's gone and by the way ali i want you to use your fucking brain the shafit want to set you up as king like, can you get this through your fucking head? And he really doesn't see it. No, he doesn't see it at all. At all. And then, and then, uh, Gasan is like, I don't know how you can't, you have these massive Ayanle, uh, backers from your mom's side. Uh, this is the you are capable line. Uh, basically, you're scaring the shit out of me. I'm banishing you to the desert. It is what it is. And you're gone. And that is kind of how that scene ends. And we get, again, I really do like the king. Uh, we get the king confronting Nari. And Nari, who has not been out of bed this whole time. So this is like the first confrontation she has with the king after Dara's like, quote, quote, death. And the king is like, oh, yeah, this is this is the full circle moment. Yeah, I sold. I sold that you're Maniza. You're under a curse. I sold all, all of that so well. I'm such a good actor. Give me, give me the Oscar. Um, they are calling her, uh, for sure, the Scourge's whore now. Um, but I like the spin that the king tries to pull on this because he's like, look, look, we can say this happened. We can say this happened. We can say this happened. He's giving her, he's like, but it's going to be one of these things. It's going to be one of the things that I thought of. But I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you like let's work on this together. What's what's your attitude on this? I'm gonna start I'm gonna start spitting truths. Like like I'm gonna tell you about Kwaizi. I'm gonna tell you what your boy did. I'm gonna tell you why we call him the scourge. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna lay it all out there, right? Um it, it's it's all it's all very it's all very kind of on the nose. But then the king is like I don't know. What if I shit on your reputation? Then what? Like, let's work this out together. Or else we're just going to make each other miserable. And this is where we get the the signed, um, sealed, confirmed 
marriage contract, right? At the end of this, this is kind of where we get it. She's also feel, I feel like she's kind of like feels helpless at this point too. And she's, there's bigger things going on that she doesn't realize. Kind of, she kind of does in this moment in a way. Um, because the people when she's signing this contract, they're doing like the special salute that they only do for the Deva people. And it wasn't towards, uh, it, it was more specific towards Dara and not to Muntadir and his family. And, I mean, to the point where she's picking up where the last line of the book, hold on, I have it. Um, Always smile at your marks. Yeah. Nari Nari knows. Yeah. So like at at one point she was very like defeated, but then when that was happening and that last like paragraph of the book, she's like, okay, there's something bigger, but which we find out in the epilogue. So all, you know, all this is happening and you have, uh, hold on. You have Kave, who is Ghassan's grand vizier. His son is in the, in the house, in the infirmary with Nazreen. His son is, uh, oh, I forgot his name. Jamshed. Jamshed. Uh, he's, his in the infirmary with Jamshed, who's essentially in a coma. And he's trying to take off a certain kind of like scar that was um, tattooed on him more or less when he was born. Um, And Nazarene's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Like, you don't know how the magic is going to react. It's going to be a tell. We have to lay low. There's a bigger picture involved. You need to get Ghassan to trust you again. You're his, you're his vizier, all this stuff. And they're like, do you have the ring? Or no, then she shows, then Nazreen shows Kave that she has Dara's ring still. And I was like, yes, I've just, that was just very like satisfactory for me because I knew that was going to have a payoff. Um, and she's like, how'd you find it? Does she know? Referring to, uh, Nari, does she know like all the bigger plays that are happening? And Nazreen's like, we can't get her hopes up yet. She, Basically, you know, again, she blacked out from grief and anger. Like, she didn't even remember that he died. Like, we can't bring anything into it. Um, And that way, God forbid anything happens and the king is attuned like he has been. She really can play innocent so she can still carry out whatever these other things are. And you're already finding out they're like, is family, you know, is this one family in play? They go, yep. And then their son is going to he understands what his job is. And he also understands that he's going to have to unalive himself. Um, And there's just hope for Maniza. Um and this is where we get the confirmation that she's still alive. That she's still alive. So like this, this person that has just been haunting this first book with trying to learn everything and like this, all of it, all of it. She's still alive. Oh my gosh. And that is how it ends for book two. Jess, did you like this book? I liked it. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. I know you love this book. You've been talking about it for basically since you read it for the first time. Um, and What's been your favorite? What you've read this three times now. Do you have, do you have a favorite part or is it just like an overarching theme or has it changed your favorite part changed each of the times you've read it? 
I don't really have a favorite part. I just have like favorite lines and things that Nari says where she's just like asserting herself and just being like, no, yeah. fuck you. Uh, I just, I love, and it's such like a weird character. I just really like the king. He's plotting. I like it when he plots, but he's not an evil king. He cares about his people. He loves his sons. He's trying to do the best. He says like kingdom above all, even above family. Uh, he's, I, I like the king. I like the king a lot, which is like very rare for me. Not to say I don't love Nari. I love Nari. She's such a capable, um, like main character. And I, Love that Ali starts off one way and at the end he's like, mm, maybe, mm, but he's completely changed. Like he starts off really rigid and he's, he is the thing that he was afraid of at the very end. And it's just, it's so fun. Um, I think, I think maybe like favorite parts would be like, Honestly, like establishing shots of the world building, I just would love to see this with a high budget, high quality. I think it'd be really stunning and something that you don't see a lot on TV. And um, this, it's gorgeous. I think it would be gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I think I sent you a couple before we started recording of like people who've kind of put, I don't want to say mood boards, but like, mood tiktoks available like they create it and you're like oh wow yeah. oh wow like this is exactly how i imagined it so when you see that it translate for translates for other people too it's just such a rich culture and i mean that's already established we know this but like just like the rich visuals um that you get with this book that makes it exciting to go right into the second one did you have a favorite character um, I liked them all, which is weird because usually I have like one that sticks out right away and it's usually just like the, like the female main character. I think they all brought something. So it was really interesting. So like, yes, we know who our mains are, but even as quote unquote side characters, they were all very valuable. I agree. Hard agree. Would you recommend this book? Uh, here's a caveat. Would you recommend this book for somebody wanting to start fantasy? Um, I don't think this is where you start fantasy. Mm, I think it depends on where you come from. Maybe that's what it is. I wouldn't recommend this book if you're to start fantasy if you're coming from um romance, but. If you were maybe coming from uh, maybe like a historical fiction, so it's not necessarily straight romance, but there's a lot of political intrigue or um, different mythologies, not necessarily Greek, but just like have a or not even Celtic, honestly, but just like having some like AAPI kind of familiarity and background. I think that, that I think this book would be great to be like, Oh, you know, if you like this, like you might want to transition into this or just to have like a vibe. Like really it is such a vibe. And I think having how, um, the author sets it up right away to say like, Hey, seven, you know, 1700s Cairo, you already know so much like if you love the mummy if you're looking for like visuals this could be like oh you know what i want like the like because this isn't the mummy but i'm saying like if you're like i want this type of vibe that could be this could be a starting point to be like and i want some fantasy too 
Very fun. Oh, very fun. Very excited for book two. Yeah. And she's, she like, and I saw physical copies. They progressively get thicker, like with all fantasy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Ali is banished. So I think we can make a general observation about book two. We're going to be. It's a travel book. We got book two is a travel book, but that is consistent and not, again, not in a bad way. We know it's a travel book. We know it's a confirmed trilogy. All three books are out. So um, this is going to be really fun and like going into that. And I, all I know because of um, one of the interviews that I read from 2017 when this book first came out is the author said like there is only one new character that she's added and everybody else is like pretty much the same. Like we're, we're familiar with the characters and there's one new character. So um, yeah, so this is going to be fun. So thanks for following us. Thanks for listening. Um, we're on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks for joining and we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.